Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 346, Joe and Big Al are talking about buying and selling real estate, investment property, and your primary residence. How do you estimate net investment income tax when selling your home? Is the all-in-one mortgage a good temporary solution when you're buying a home before selling your current house? The ins and outs of buying property in California with your kids and how Prop 13 and Prop 19 factor into the process. And should you pay the mortgage or save for retirement? Plus, what's the best way to pay credit card debt? And do corporations really pay no taxes? But first, so you don't miss the Roth talk, can you contribute to both a Roth IRA and Roth 401k? I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Uh, Diane writes in from Arizona. She goes, hello, Al, Andy, and Joe, alphabetically, so it's not to hurt any feelings. Got it. All right. I thoroughly. I'm just glad I'm first. Got it. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. Personally, I think it's nearly perfect balance between funny banner and valuable, relevant information. I usually listen listen while walking my uh, chihuahua. Chihuahua. (laughs) That is a hard word to pronounce. Yeah. Odie. That was my dog's name when I was growing up. Ah, Odie. It's short for odiferous, which means stinky. Did you have a chihuahua? It was not a Chihuahua. It was which okay. a much larger Odie. Got it. Was it an Odie part of a cartoon? Yeah, Garfield. Got it. Oh, very good. Uh, drive a 2020 Subaru Cross Trek. Cross Trek. On screen for you. Oh, there you go. Yeah, very nice. Uh, and hubby drives a 2014 Toyota Camry or Cam AM Spider. Check oh, that man. thing out. That's like a three wheeler. Oh, yeah. Looks like a transformer. It goes with the it goes with the Megatron. <laughs> it says Can Am, Can Am Spider, depending on the weather. Got it. Most importantly, my drink of choice is two uh Towns Hard Cider made in Oregon. Yeah. Looks cool. Two Towns Cider. Ever had it? No. Nope. Me neither. Never had it. Not cider a, house. Not crap. not much of a hard cider guy myself. No, not really. What's um, what's the difference of a hard cider and like hard seltzer? One's like well, hard one... cider is like apple juice that's uh, made alcoholic, isn't it? It's cider. It's oh, okay. So it's, yeah, I yeah. got it. All right. Yeah. So, or pear. So, they also seltzer do pear and seltzer water. Got it. Yeah. So you got spiked um, <laughs> spiked apple juice or, or spiked, spiked water. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yep. Understand now. That's that's my you know ninety eight percent sure of that. Got it. Because that's how it sounds. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds right to me. Yeah. I've, I've never got into the. Um, the, self, the, the hard. Coors Light. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Actually, right? I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, I like some of the, the other beers, the hazy IPAs. And yeah. I'm starting to find they give me more headaches. I'm back to Coors Light again. You see? It's yeah. easy peasy. Man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I have in now um, have tried a couple of the. What's what's the brewery here in town? Um, well, there's Alesmith and Ballast Point. No, no, no. That's making like Stone. actual cocktails. Oh, yeah, Cutwater. Cutwater. Yeah, right. Those so, are those are decent. There's not, but those aren't bad. Yeah, you know, on the yeah. golf course, if you want, you know, like yeah. uh, something different. Yeah, yeah right. So, sure. Anyway, I'm, I'm with you. All right. Um, quick overview of our financial picture. Hubby is a young retiree, just 53, after a 25 year career as a law enforcement officer. All right. Thank you, hubby, for your service. 
Um, I make $105,000 per year, I'm aggressively paying down our $100,000 mortgage, uh, which is our only debt and plan to continue working as long as I'm enjoying the work as I'm only 50 years old. Uh, hubby receives a monthly pension that continues for the rest of our lives. Uh, we also have $150,000 in pre-tax 457 plan and a small balance of a Roth IRA. I have $750,000 in pre-tax 401k account, and I currently contribute 20% with a 6% employer match in a small Roth IRA. We have other miscellaneous accounts, including a small post-tax brokerage account that are not material to the questions I have for you. That's all the blah, blah, blah. So let me get to my questions. Number one, am I allowed to contribute the max, which I believe is currently $7,000 annually, including catch-up contributions to both the Roth IRA and Roth 401k? The answer is yes, Diane. Um, On the 401k. You could do a Roth IRA as well, can't you? Yeah, depends on. I don't know how much her, her her husband's pension is, so there are income limitations. So, but let's say if you qualify, so the yeah, I, I guess and, and pro- probably he does. I mean, so in other words, if you make if the, if you jointly make less than one hundred ninety eight thousand dollars, then you can do a full Roth IRA, which is you're correct seven thousand dollars when you're fifty years and older. So you make one hundred thousand dollars a year is if your husband's pension is less than one hundred thousand. Yeah, um, you're pretty close that, yes, you could contribute to a Roth. Your husband can contribute to a Roth and you could fully fund a 401k account. Right. Which is uh, 19,500 plus the $6,500 catch up. Yeah. For the 401k plan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can my hubby contribute $7,000 to his Roth IRA as a sponsor contribution since he does not have earned income? Yes. We answered that yep. before I even knew it was a question. Yeah, you did. By the way. You may suggest not paying down the mortgage since rates are so low, uh, but we do not want a mortgage when we are both retired. Thank you and keep up the great podcast. So what would you do, Alan? Would you pay down the mortgage or would you contribute? If, if you had the choice, would you put money into a Roth IRA, fully fund 401, her 401k and hubby Roth and her Roth, or would you take that extra cash and pay down the mortgage? Well, I do like the idea of fully funding the Ross, but um, I, I'm actually fine with people paying off their mortgage if they still have excess cash, right? I've actually paid off mine. I, I, I think it's totally fine to go into retirement, and I'm still working, but to go into retirement without a mortgage, if you can pull it off. But, but, but I don't really want people to actually spend so much money and dollars paying off their mortgage to the, to the detriment of saving for their retirement. So a couple of things that I'm looking at here is that... They have $900,000 in pre-tax accounts. So let's call it a million bucks. So that million dollars can provide around $40,000 of income. Uh, They're young, 55. Um, He retired at 53. She's 50. And so she wants to continue to work. So does she jam paying down the mortgage or does she continue to build out retirement accounts from a Roth perspective? Since he has a pension, um, law enforcement for 20 some odd years, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably, you know, 70, 80% of his, his income. Right. Which could be, you know, whatever. 80, 100,000. Yeah, right, right. Right. Or it could be a lot higher depending could, on could what be. his rank was. Yeah, true. 
So if they already have a pretty good sized pension, so they have fixed income, the mortgage is not, it's a hundred grand. Yeah. It hardly counts. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's say you refinance, you get it at lock in at 3% for the next 30 years. Yep. I like that strategy a lot more. And then you take all your excess cash flow, you'd fully fund your 401k from the Roth. You put a Roth IRA for him. You put an off Roth IRA for yourself, you know, and if there's extra after that, I would still build up my non-qualified brokerage account that you said is insignificant. Right. Um, in the very last, I would pay, uh, I would go to the mortgage. Got it. So I agree with you, except for the mortgage part. I'm, I'm actually, see, w- when you get a little bit older, Joe, I know you're still a youngster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it feels kind of nice not to have a mortgage. Understand. I, I have to say that. Just I'll throw it out there. Right. But, but like I said, right at the onset, I don't really want to... Um, Diane to do this and jeopardize her retirement savings. I I think that's even more important. And you are right about that. The fact that husband has good fixed income means that you can cover the mortgage. So it's, it's not that big a deal, really. Um, So if he didn't have the mortgage, I mean, if, if he didn't have the pension, right. Maybe you want to look a little bit different at holding a note, right? Because you have a guaranteed income source for the rest of your life. So you could probably cover some of that note. But I get it. You know, if you're more conservative, then you pay out the note, which sounds like she is. And yeah. Um, but if you want to have more wealth, then I wouldn't pay yeah. out the note and Diana, to save. I'm with you. Go ahead and pay it off if you want to. All right. Hello, Andy, Alan, Joe, Jim from Santa Cruz. Once again, Jim from Santa Cruz calling. After answering my question about Jack and Diana on show 342, Joe asked if I'm a teacher. And Al mentioned that he didn't know what I drink. My sincere apologies for the grievous oversight. <laughs> I was waiting to see if he was going to get that word right. <laughs> was I close? Yeah. You killed it. Gee. Grievous. Yes, I've just been reading. <laughs> just been reading a lot in your spare time, getting all these words down. Longer words. Yeah. I'm a sales rep for a solar energy company uh, okay. or for a component manufacturer. And my preferred drink of choice is Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Okay, so that paints a better picture, right? Now that now that we know. Yeah. Now we know Jim intimately. Yeah. Yep. Little sales guy, kind of cruising around selling solar parts. Right. In Sierra Nevada. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Jack and Diane, uh, they plan to sell their home in retirement roughly around the year 2035. Diane projects taxable income. After escrow, realtor fees of about $500,000 prime um, in the $500,000 primary resident exemption to be $375,000. Fortunately, Diane is a longtime YMYW listener with a comprehensive retirement plan spreadsheet. Unfortunately, Diane is married to Jack, who is a real nice guy, but doesn't know diddly squat about finances. If she had married Big Al, her, spread, her spreadsheet would have included the net investment income tax for capital gains on the sale of her home. Instead, she gave that tax no consideration until another show, 342, called and asked about it. Okay. Oh, he okay, really yeah. likes his Jack and Diane. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Um, believing they will have no other investment income for that year. Diane calculates her net investment income taxes follow $375,000 taxable gain minus $250,000 exemption equals 125,000 times 3.8 equals 4750. 
Both Diane enters this on a spreadsheet and tells Jack that he now has to work an extra month. <laughs> Can you confirm this is right way to estimate the tax? Thanks, as always, for the great show. You guys really are the best. Jim from Santa Cruz. All right. What do you think there, well, Big Al? So he's Jim- talking about the net investment income tax that happens after a capital asset is sold and it's on top of a capital gain. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, you're on the right track, but maybe one more tweak here. So so the rule is simply this, that you have to pay that extra 3.8% net investment income tax when your adjusted gross income is over 250000 when you're married. So you, you've got that right. So your calculation is essentially right, but you have to look at other income too. Like maybe there's $100,000 of other income, right? So, so now, the, now, now basically... Your taxable in, your taxable gain is is uh, adjusted gross income is is four hundred seventy five, not three seventy five. So you'd really have a hundred thousand more subject to that three point eight percent tax. So you, you kind of have to look at the your entire adjusted gross income, subtract out two fifty, and to the extent that you have passive income like capital gains, you multiply it by that three point eight percent. Yeah, he was down in because he said um, they had no other income. So did he say that? Yeah. Where? I just, um, I don't know exactly in this big, <laughs> long-ass paragraph. Uh, I think he said he, they had no other investment income. No. But if there's other non-investment Believing income. they will have no other investment income for the year, Diane. Okay. So, so they, it's all income. And then, so if they have more in, ordinary income. Ordinary income. And that adds, pushes, pushes because mm-hmm. the capital gain sits on top you got of it. the ordinary income. You got it. So that's the sitting on top of. The, the sitting on top rule. The sitting on top rule. Now we'll get, get another. Can you explain how the capital gain sits on top? <laughs> we got and I will send them the podcast episode that is nothing except answers to those questions. Yeah, yeah we, we, we've we, had several, so you can you have your choice. Yeah, what sits on top? Who sits on what? <laughs> that was YMYW podcast episode number 325, by the way, entitled Capital Gains Versus Ordinary Income Tax Explained. And you can find it in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Chances are that you would get even more value from a free financial assessment with an advisor on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. And you can book that right from the podcast show notes too. Pure Financial is a fee-only fiduciary, which means that they will not sell you any investment products and they're required by law to act in the best interests of their clients. All of Pure's advisors are certified financial planner professionals. They'll look at your entire financial situation and your retirement needs, how much risk you can tolerate, and your goals to help you develop a comprehensive financial plan tailored expressly for you. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, then click Get an Assessment to schedule that video meeting. Uh, We got Jim calling in from San Diego. Uh, This is a follow-up to the all-in-one mortgage inquiry. Oh. I listened to the podcast and realized it didn't provide enough context. We are thinking about moving out of state to another state with no state tax. The real estate markets there are red hot. Properties get sold after being listed. Usually properties get sold after being listed. Yeah, true. Soon after being soon, listed. But soon. That's the, the operative word. Got it. <laughs> we have a current mortgage. If we happen to find a home we want in this other state, we have to commit to buying it on the spot, but haven't sold our other current home yet. 
we wouldn't qualify for another mortgage on top of our current one. An all-in-one mortgage could be a temporary solution in that we could get enough of a loan to buy the new place and then pay down the all-in-one when we sell our current home and access our equity. If interest rates appear to be rising, uh, we could convert to a traditional loan. We realize we would have additional closing costs from going through two lender transactions, but it solves the problem selling our current home and having to rent locally while continuing uh, long-distant house hunting. Is this strategy unadvisable? All right, so Jim's looking to get out of Dodge. Yeah. And he We're wants in- to purchase a house out of state. Yeah, in an area that's red hot. Right, so he's looking at Denver. Yeah, or Boise or something uh, yeah. hot. <laughs> And so he wants to get out of here, go there. And he's like, man, these houses are going quick. I should, I should lock it in. There. I got, I got to do something. Right. Right. And so I can take a home equity line or this all in one mortgage, take some cash out and then use that as a down payment for the next home or sure. purchase the home outright. Or I don't know. He's yeah. still going to have probably two mortgages, right? Seems like it, unless it's a cheaper home. Right. Yeah. Um, so then when he sells the house, then he, you know, with the equity, he pays it off yeah, and, yeah, and right. call it good. Yeah. So I, I it's the strategy's fine, but honestly, the best answer would be to go find a really good mortgage broker and look at all your options and figure out what's going to be the best for you. We, we, we don't know near enough. And plus we're not mortgage brokers, but there's nothing wrong with the strategy. Right. Just, but I mean, I guess here, here's a better question. I think for us is would you sell your home, move to Denver, rent in Denver until you find your house and then purchase the house in Denver versus owning a house in San Diego, owning a house in Denver, having this giant mortgage in, I mean, that's a lot of risk. It's it's a lot of risk. And and the other thing to consider is, and this has been true in, in my lifetime, several times when the, when the real estate market starts getting really hot, that doesn't last forever. Right. Right. So, and I could be wrong. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but what we've seen, what I've seen over my career, which has been a lot of years is real estate market gets so hot. Everyone buys, they end up buying at the top of the market and then it either levels out or it goes down. And then you're, you're kind of stuck with this higher price property. So j- just be aware there's a risk in, in, that's what, to me, that's the biggest risk is, is overextending yourself and buying something that you really don't want later. Right. I mean, it's in a super hot market. You just said that. So are you retiring there? What's the sense of urgency to move there? Right. And I mean, is that a, so, so there's a lot of unknowns. I, I mean, or, on the other hand, if you go to this market and you find the home that you want to live in forever, Go for it. I mean, just understand the risk you're taking. Right. Because I mean, San Diego is a pretty good market. You could probably sell your house in San Diego in a week. Yeah, true. Right. At least currently. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, then it's like, okay, well, I'm buying in a really hot market, but you're also selling in a really hot market. Right. It might make sense to sell in a really hot market and rent for a little bit until you find your dream home in the area where you want to live. Yeah. And then pull the trigger. Yeah. And maybe you could sell your San Diego home and maybe you could rent back from the buyer if they'll go along with that for a few months while you find the other place you could yeah you could do that so now you have cash on hand right you're renting back your current place and then um yeah then you buy your house in whatever area that you're looking for yeah i like that 
We got Lorraine writes in from San Diego. Hi, please do not use my name on TV. And I just said her name. That's not her name. Okay. Oh, you made up a new one? Yeah. Well, because you knew we'd say it. Yeah. Uh, well, plus this isn't TV, so we could say it all we want. Here's my question. Um, <laughs> I'm in my 70s and have lived in my property for 30 years. I have not purchased another property because I've wanted to retain my very low tax bases under Prop 13. So for those of you that don't understand Prop 13, this is a California proposition that allows individuals to keep their property tax uh, fairly low. I mean, you can exchange that basis um, if you buy the same property, like or lower value. Right. Although that changed, I think, with Prop 19. Okay. <laughs> so Prop 19, uh, which I, th- I think was passed in last year, last year, which became effective maybe. And then people December. were putting their stuff in the trusts. Yeah. So, to- so, so Prop 19, um, the way that that works is now you can actually trade up. So it used to be you had to, to keep your property, Prop 13 tax base, you had to buy equal or lower and you had you have it at one time. You had to be over 55 and you could do it once. Now the new rule is you could actually buy more expensive property uh, and you get your property tax base up to the amount of the property that you sold. So for, for example, you have a million dollar property and you buy a million and a half dollar property and the million dollar property has a tax base of 300,000. So you get that. But then since you bought a property 500,000 more, you add the 500 to the 300 and now you got an $800,000 basis. And you can do that three times after the age of 55. So that's the current rule. Wow. How about that? Sharp as a tack today, yeah. Big Al. Right? Um, <laughs> you were doing some calculations on your own stuff or what? That was that just rolled right off your Yeah, tongue. it's like, I might want to trade up here, Joe. Let's, <laughs> let's see how this works. Did you do some studying before <laughs> this? Um, all right. So Prop 13, I had to buy equal or less to take my taxes with me. It has been almost impossible and impossible uh, to buy equal or less. Yeah, don't have to do that anymore. Um, I and one of my children, who is 55, want to buy a property together, taking my tax basis with me. I need to know if the two of you or if the two of us going on a mortgage together would trigger an exemption to occur. So she puts the son on title. Got it. Is that going to blow up Prop 13 or Prop 19? The same child would be the one inheriting the property as a personal resident, so the inheritance of taxes would not be an issue. Thank you. I enjoy watching your show every Sunday. Um, okay, so first of all, I would not put him on title. Yeah, that's usually not a good idea. If he's going to inherit the property anyway, just he's going to inherit the property. I just put him as the beneficiary of the, the, um, yeah, the, the re the reason why you, you do this Lorraine, and I know that's not your real name, so I can actually say it. The reason you, you just keep the property in your name is that when you eventually someday pass away, then your child will receive a full step up in basis. So at least under current tax law. So in other words, they'll, he'll, she'll inherit. Is it him or her? I can't remember. It's child. 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 Your child will inherit this property. Uh, whatever the value is on that date will become the new cost basis, right? And for for purposes of the, um, if if your child wants to sell the property, for purposes of the 
proper the prop 13 or prop 19 amount the rules are a lot different on that too with prop 19 in fact i think it's uh i think the way that works joe is that when you inherit a property under prop 19 you you only get the tax basis for the first million dollars only and then anything above that gets the full prop 19 basis uh for property tax purposes, but you have to use it for a principal residence. It can't be for rental or anything else. That's the new rule for Prop 19. So if I understand you correctly, if I inherit a property and let's say it's a $2 million house, but Prop 13 recognizes. So instead of paying $20,000 in taxes, Prop 13 says it's $300,000 value. So I only pay $3,000 in taxes. Yeah. So for people that don't really understand what we're talking about here, (laughs) <laughs> so they're saying that the house is actually worth 300000 for property tax purposes only, Correct. even though the house is worth $2 bucks, And that's somewhat common in, in Southern California. So people are spending $3,000 of property tax, where if I purchased a $2 million home, I would have to pay $20,000 in property tax. Yeah, roughly 1%. That's right. Right? So I this person dies. I inherit the house. She was paying $3,000 in property tax. I inherit this $2 million house. I get a full step up in basis and I'm going to live in Lorraine's home. Yes. So with that, what is my property tax moving forward? Do Does the Prop 13 go away and now I got to pay the 20,000 or 1% of the market value? Or is there some sort of... Yeah, it's a blended thing. So Prop 19 says that as long as the person that inherits the house is going to live in the house as their principal residence, then the first million dollars, you get that same basis over again. So if the million, if the million dollars had a property value had a, had, well, let me, let me put it this way. If the property itself had a $300,000 base is what you're saying, and it's worth $2 million. So you, so the first million dollars gets the 300,000 and the next amount, you add the million to so it. So 1.3? 1.3. So 13,000 in property tax. Got it. Roughly. And so I'm guessing Lorraine wants to put her child on title. So when she passes that the to- child is going to live in the house and still maintain the prop night, prop 13 or prop 19 um, tax right. bases. And I, I don't know this for sure, but I don't think that works. I don't think the, that for, works for either. The, for the exact reason that you mentioned. Right. Okay, she's got another follow-up question. Another question. Okay. Um, if a person owes five thousand dollars in credit card debt, is it better to borrow five thousand dollars at seven point nine nine percent to be paid over a twenty-four month period, or pay it off and pay it off, or do a balance transfer of that card to zero percent for eighteen um, eighteen months for eighteen months? Yeah, do the second one. I prefer zero Zero versus eight. Even though you have to pay it off quicker, do that. Paying off credit card debt is an important way to take control of your finances. Whether you're in your 60s, 50s, 40s, or younger, decisions you make today will affect your financial security for years to come. In the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, you'll find two relevant free financial resources on this topic. You can read the blog on understanding your credit report, and you can download Cracking the Financial Code at Any Age, a free guide that'll walk you through financial strategies and actions to take in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond to overcome previous missteps and to set yourself up for a more successful retirement. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there and spread the knowledge. Share the links and the podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. Hello, Andy. I've heard all throughout my adult life that big, bad corporations don't pay any taxes. 
This is from our buddy Clint in Florida, by the way. Yes, can you? <laughs> he sent it to me directly, but I think he's expecting an answer from you guys. I you want, think you should answer yes. first, Andy. The claim is usually from politicians or someone with a gripe. Do you agree with that, Andy? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Earlier this year, I asked Bob at our office if he had to... <laughs> Who the hell's Bob? He's the, he's the authority, whether <laughs> big corporations pay tax. Earlier this year, I asked Bob at the office if he had to pay the, the IRS taxes. He said no. In fact, he's getting a refund this year. We all know Bob had overpaid his income taxes. Can I assume that these big corporations use every tool available in our tax code to pay as little tax possible? Or are these corporations exempt from paying tax? Clint, Florida, 2015 F-150. Oh, F-150. Okay. Well, Andy, what do you think? I think that, yes, corporations absolutely are going to use every tool available in our tax codes to pay as little tax as possible. Okay. So you agree with that statement? I agree. Um, and are, or are corporations exempt from paying taxes? I do not believe that they are. Okay. All right. I agree with both your comments. I mean, everyone tries to use every trick. Not well, not true. everyone. I would say people that have professionals and understand the tax code yeah. will probably do what they can to, to, ab- right. to avoid well, as much tax as, as, yeah. as legally possible. Which is, as, as you like to say, quoting someone from the 1800s, it's your God-given right to pay as little tax as possible. That's right. Remember that. Don't remember that exact quote. And, and I think that's okay. It's okay to use the tax law to your benefit. Are corporations exempt from paying tax? Absolutely not. Do corporations pay tax? Yeah. And they pay a lot of taxes. Uh, a lot of taxes, but if they are a large corporation and they have customers across the globe, would it behoove them to set up an operation in some other country that has lower taxes or no taxes and they fulfill orders and, and sales from those countries so that they're paying lower international taxes? The answer is yes, that's, that's legal. Do we, do we always like it? No. And would, there's always talk about that type of thing, charging more taxes on international companies. And if you think about it, it's completely legal. You, you could set up an operation in wherever, Cayman Islands, don't have any taxes, right? And you can, you can have your salespeople fulfill orders and ship out of Cayman Islands. And then there's no US tax because it wasn't, it, as long as it's an international customer. And if you think about it, it had nothing to do with the U.S. except it was an owned by a U.S. company. So, yeah, there's a lot of talk about changing the rules for that. There's rules on transfer taxes, which basically means allocating more expenses to the U.S. and less expenses to your international companies. So that they're always trying to make that more fair. And but it is legal. But companies do still pay a lot of taxes, in my view. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It does not matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the certified financial planner professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.